Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. It is a delight to be with you guys. I've been looking forward to uh, this time together. And uh, yes, I felt this morning that, uh, you know, I feel like I'm coming overdressed for the, for the chapel gathering this morning when I, when I preach uh, at Brook Hills, I'm usually in, in blue jeans, and I prefer to not wear a jacket, a suit, a tie. Um, I wanted to come this morning and, and preach in Chuck Taylor's. However, um, in about 35 minutes, I have to preach another message over at Beeson's Chapel. And Converse, Chuck Taylor's, and Beeson's Chapel, it just, you know, it just ain't happening. And so, felt like, all right, for their sake, I have to go ahead and, and, and wear a tie this morning. Um, all right, so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. I have been told that in chapel, you guys have been looking at different parables, different parables of, of Jesus. And so we're going, to, we're going to look at a parable in Matthew chapter 25 this morning. And uh, I want us to kind of think about this. This is sort of our, our title, so to speak, if I had to give this message a title. And, it, and it's basically, Go Global, Serving Christ with My Degree. Go Global, Serving Christ with My, deg- my Degree. Uh, looking forward to this week. Uh, Lord willing, on Thursday, I will be back with you guys uh, in, this, in this chapel gathering. And it's going to be a little bit different kind of, uh, of, of setup. I'm going to be sharing with you guys from, from one of my books called Strangers Next Door, which is about the, the movement, the migration of unreached people groups to the Western world and how we as Christ followers need to, to share His love and connect with them and to communicate the gospel with them. And so I'll bring in some slides and we'll be taking a look at some slides. And actually, I do have this slide in my presentation. So look at that. You, know, you guys are already ahead of the head of the game. And then um, Thursday, I'm doing a a seminar uh, related to what I believe are the 12 global pressure points in the world that's shaping the face of the church today and will continue to uh, shape the face of the church for all likelihood in our lives uh, during our lifetime. And so we'll be doing that on on Thursday night. But today, I want us to think about this parable. A little over 20 years ago, believe it or not, I know for some of you that sounds like a long time, but for a little over 20 years ago, I was sitting where you guys were sitting, but it, it wasn't on this campus. I was a student at the University of Kentucky. So I um, went to the University of Kentucky, and I declared my major first semester agriculture biotech. Now, that was a cool and developing major at that point in time, and, and, but I really chose it because I thought, you know, I really wanted to go into to agriculture science, even though... Um, the Lord was going to take me in a completely different direction. I really thought, okay, I'm going to go into agriculture science, and, uh, and, and, and so therefore I declared agriculture biotech. But then the Lord began working on my heart, and, and I really felt like he was leading me in the direction of pastoral ministry. And I didn't want that at all. I, didn't, I did not want that at all. In fact, I ran from it, and I realized that if I keep running, one, if I'm following Jesus, I cannot say no to my Lord. And two, if I keep running from God, one day I may find myself in the belly of a big fish. And so I repented of my sin. I placed, uh, you know, my, my, I was already a follower of Jesus, but I placed my, my, my faith in the future and what he was going to do with me in that calling on his life to serve him in that capacity. So I go to my advisor, and I say, okay, I'm going to change my major. And he was a little bit uh, upset. And he said, what, what are you going to change your major to? And I said, I'm going to major in sociology. And, uh, and, you know, his eyes got this big, so you, so you got this biotech scholar uh, that is, is, is basically having this student saying he wants to change his major in sociology, and he almost falls out of his chair, and he rebukes me and rebukes me and rebukes me, and then finally he says, okay, go. And I loved it. I, I majored in sociology. In fact, I loved it so much. Um, I went back and did, did uh, about 25 hours of, in graduate study in, in sociology, even after I got my, my Ph.D. In, in, in theological studies. Uh, so it, it, was, it was that part of my life and my journey that I, I want to share with you at the outset of this to say that 
I believe that one of the most important decisions that you guys are facing right now, right now, is what are you going to major in and what are you going to do in the global marketplace? And, and I think that that is an incredibly important, incredibly important question that you need to be asking yourself. I know that some of you are really, really thinking about that. And some of you have a great clarity of exactly what you need to be doing. But, but I, I, I talk to a lot of college students, and, I, and I've, I've taught at undergraduate levels and graduate levels and doctoral levels before. And, and, I've, and, I've, and I've felt like that there are many that don't, just don't take that very seriously. And I look back over the years when I was, when I was growing up, when I was in high school, and then when I went to college, and... And I got really no support from my church, from my pastors, about what I needed to major in, what I needed to do as a vocation, what I needed to be doing in the marketplace. And as a result, I was basically left, up, left on my own to make those decisions. And by God's grace, I'm thankful for the way that he led me and he took me in, the, in those directions. But, but here's the thing. I believe that we pastors have failed you guys in this area. I believe that the church has failed you guys in this area. And that is, we've, we've left up the decision of determining a vocational path, determining, determining a, a major uh, to be something that's left up to uh, secular guidance counselors, to uh, family tradition, uh, to, to, you know, the, the, the whims of youth. I mean, I know, I know that uh, the underwater basket weaving is a cool thing to do, right? But it may not be the best thing to go $70,000 in debt for, only about two or three jobs in the whole universe for that major. And so you may not be one of those guys or gals to fit into that employment path. And, and so, so th this is a serious matter. There are very few decisions in life that you will make that I think carry this gravity. They carry this gravity. And, and for me, I think that it's a stewardship issue. I think that it's an issue related to our following Jesus into the world as kingdom citizens that are underneath his lordship, underneath his, his kingdom ethic, the way that we're to live, and that this is a decision that, that, that has an incredible amount of, of divine gravity to it and should be entered into with, a, with very much a sober mind in what we need to do. Now, this morning, uh, we're in a Christian worship gathering on a Christian campus, and uh, we're going to look at a parable. We're going to look at a passage where Jesus speaks to his disciples, people who have already turned from their sin and they've placed their faith in him. Uh, but, I, but I recognize in, in, you know, in a crowd this large that there are some of you who have probably not, not made that decision to follow Christ. Maybe, maybe your parents have, maybe you grew up in a religious home, maybe you didn't grow up in a religious home at all, but, but you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And so I, I just want to say at the outset, I'm primarily speaking to followers of Jesus because that's where the Bible is leading us in this passage this morning. But, but even as I speak, I, I, want to, I want to say to you that, that, that the holy God that created you, that created all of us, that have fallen short of his glory, we are sinners, we are, are sinful people. Uh, he sent his son, the one that we're going to be talking about today, who died on a cross and took the sins of the world upon himself as a sacrifice for sin, to appease the wrath of a holy God, his judgment upon sinful people, and as a means to be able to bring people to God, to be friends with God, to be what we call reconciled to God. He not only died on a cross, he arose from the dead, and he shows that we can have hope in this life, and we can have his hand upon us in making decisions related to vocational directions and how he would have us to live for him in this globe, on this globe in which we live. And so my encouragement to you today is, even as I'm speaking, I, I would urge you, just in your heart, in your mind, to turn from your sin and place your faith in this Christ that you've heard us sing about today and that we'll read about today. And if you do that, I want you, I encourage you to talk to, talk to uh, uh, someone that's in this room that's a follower of Christ and let them know of your decision to do that. 
So with that in mind, I want us to look at this passage of Scripture. Followers of Jesus, Matthew 25, verse, verse number 31. And Jesus is telling this parable, and it comes in the middle of a, of a section in the Bible whereby, as you go back to chapter 24, in the beginning of chapter 24, you find out in verse 3 that, that he's with his disciples, and he calls his disciples to be with him. And then he tells them, he tells them a parable or two, and he tells them some other things. And then, then we get to this parable that's, that's been called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. And, and we see here recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verse 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey. What is that it? Well, if you go back and you look back into chapter 25, chapter 24, you find out that Jesus is saying that this it is talking about his coming, his second coming, when he will come back and he, and he will call his people, his followers, to give an account of what they've done with the things that they have been, they've received from him, the things that they've been entrusted with, if you will. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. His servants. You may have a note in your Bible. Uh, it says bond servant. Uh, literally, the word means slave. And it's not the kind of slave understanding that we have uh, in, in contemporary America for the most part. But slaves back in this day and time, they had a, a lot more, more freedom and they had a lot more trust from their masters uh, than, than we would think about. And we'll see that in just a second because this guy who's getting ready to go on this long journey, he gives his servants some, some really serious stuff to take care of while he's gone. And we'll see that the word is called a talent. It says, For it be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. So here's a man who is calling some of his servants together, and he has, he has high expectations for them. And he's giving them things that are near and dear to his heart, things that are his very own possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So what, what, what do we see taking place here? This guy calls his servants together. He gives one servant five talents. He gives another servant two talents. He gives another servant one talent. And then he goes on this long journey. Now, a talent in the New Testament time that we read about is, 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 a, is something, uh, is, is something of, of exchange value, of, of worth, it, kind of maybe like money, so to speak. And there's debate. There's debate among New Testament scholars whether this was a, was a massive sum of money or whether it's just a few thousand dollars. As If you're reading from the NIV, I think your footnote says something about maybe a few thousand dollars. There's some debate about this. But it was some kind of exchange, some currency in his day and time that he was entrusting these three servants with. And he gives to them according to their ability. And he goes on this long journey. And then we begin to see something happen. It says that he who received, verse 16, he who received the five talents went at once and he traded them. And he made five talents more. So, he had, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, master of those servants came and he, he settled accounts with them. So, so he's now saying, okay, there's, there's, I gave these things to you to be responsible with, to, to, to entrust into your care. I want you to, to use these things that I have provided for you to do with them what you're supposed to be doing. And so I'm wanting you to put them to use, put them to work. And two of them did, and one of them doesn't. And so he comes and he says, okay, let's, let's, let's see what took place. He settles accounts with them. And in verse 20, it says, and he came, and he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. There's this, you see this, this excitement that's, that's here about this, this, this one who received these five talents, and he used them faithfully. He was excited to be able to come to his master and present this to him. And his master's excited about, about his faithfulness in, in his stewardship of what 
he had received as a trust to him while this master was gone on this, this journey. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Did you catch the master's response? Same response with the guy who, who, who saw two, the two talents become two more just as much as, as with the servant who saw the five become, become five more. In other words, the, the master wasn't so much concerned about, wow, if this, guy, if this two talented guy can, can really get up to 12, that'd be great, or he needs to at least hit 10 or something. That wasn't what it was about. It was that this guy had been faithful, this, this servant had been faithful with what had been received, and it's well done, well done. I'm not comparing you to the, to the one who got the five. I'm not comparing you to, to the one who got the one. Well done with what you, you had, what, what you received. And then we see he goes on, verse 24. And he also who had received the one talent came forward. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. In other words, he's putting the blame back on the master. Uh, he's saying, he's saying I, you know, I, I understand you to be this way. This is the way that I think about you. I recognize, along with these other slaves, that what you gave to us was yours to begin with. You trusted it to us, but I'm just giving it back to you as it is. And he says in verse 26, The master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. In other words, you should have done at least something with it. This, this, this currency of exchange, you should have at least done something to, to, see it, to see it grow and develop. So take the talent, verse 28, from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hard language. Language that Jesus often used for the religious hypocrites, the Pharisees, the people who were not willing to turn from their sin and place their trust in him and cast that worthless servant into outer darkness and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are two things that I want, I want us to take away from this text this morning before we go in just a few minutes. And I wanted to relate it back to this issue of serving Christ with our majors, serving Christ in the global marketplace. First thing I want you to see from this passage, there are many things we could see, but the first thing is that I want you to take away from this is rejoice in who in, in, to whom you belong. Rejoice in knowing the fact of who your master is. I mean, that is wonderful. I mean, we don't have time to, to, to walk through through the passages of Scripture to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and, and hear God speak about the crushing of the serpent's head eventually through the, the Savior who would come and follow that all throughout his promises to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob and working through the people of Israel and, and, then, and then redeeming a people unto himself and, and setting them on mission to be about what, he, what he's about. Recognize here in this text, if we don't know anything else that's going on, that these servants knew that they belonged to this master. And as followers of Christ, that is something we should take great joy in and great delight. I mean, our identity is wrapped up in that. I mean, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You know, it tells us that, that basically we, we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live. It's, 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 it's the Lord working through us. We're, we're His. We're, we're sealed. Our identity is not in 
how popular we are. It's not in our genealogy. It's not in our, our, our talents, how athletic we are or not. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not related to, to um, what our family thinks about us, how many friends we have, our history, our identity is wrapped up in Christ. And that, that is something to take great delight in. And there's something else here. Not only should we, should we recognize where our identity is found, but the second thing is, is we need to recognize that we've been entrusted with much. We are, in this room, we are the most educated people on the planet. And we are the wealthiest people on the planet. And we have more opportunities than the overwhelming majority of the people on this planet will ever have. And we live in a world of great poverty, of great physical needs, and of great spiritual needs. We still have, we still have billions, two billion people who have never even heard the name of Jesus. Four or five billion people who are not his followers living, in a plan, living on a planet of seven billion people. And we have before us the opportunity to be wise stewards with this incredible trust that God has given us at this moment in time that you will never have again in your lives. And that is, what are you going to do with this thing called college education? What are you going to do with this thing that, that, that the master has entrusted to your care, that, that he's extended to you to be a good steward, a faithful and wise steward with it? Are you, are you, are you, are you diligently seeking his face and, 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 and praying, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to major in? How do you want me to develop myself even beyond what the classroom may give me? How do you want me to develop myself to, to where I can be best poised and best positioned to be on mission for you in the global marketplace, whether you keep me in Birmingham, whether you take me to another city in North America, or whether you put me somewhere else in the world, how can I be a wise steward with what you've entrusted to me? while you're on this long journey. And if it was me, I would be praying and I would be fasting and I'd be seeking God's face. And I would be looking at, okay, how am I wired? How am I shaped? What, what, are, the, what are the passions that God's given me? What are the talents that God's given me? What, what's my background like? What are my interests? What, how, how, am I, how am I shaped by God and, and what is he doing in my life? That would be one thing that I'd be asking about. The second thing that I'd be asking about is what's going on in the world? What's going on in the world around me? I mean, when I was in college, I pretty much unplugged for the world. It was all campus life, and that was it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be in tune. Know, know what's going on in the world. Know what's taking place down the street, also across, across the ocean, if you will. In other words, be in, in the know. Be understanding, and, and be, be asking yourself the question. What would be something that is how I'm wired, needs in the world, that I could best position myself to move forward in, as God leads me to, to serve him in the marketplace of making disciples of all nations as I wait for the day of his return. Because we have to give an account of this. We have to give an account of what we've been entrusted with. And this, man, guys, gals, this is an incredible trust to be able to have this opportunity. Another thing I would keep in mind, I wouldn't let the classroom be all that I get in order to prepare myself for outside of college. I would be wanting to know how to be a better interpersonal communicator. I would be wanting to know how can I be a good team player? How can I do better at organization and knowing how to prioritize things? How can I know how to, to, to better, better connect with people and work on a team? I mean, these are questions that employers in the marketplace are asking. Just do a Google search. And you'll find out. I just read an article just about two or three days ago, about like five or ten different characteristics that they're seeing of college grads that they want to see in them when they come and apply for a job that they're not seeing. Because they're, for the most part, things that a lot of things that are not being, being developed and taught along that educational journey. 
So I want to leave you with this as we pray. I want you to recognize to whom you belong, that he has bought you with a price. He has saved you. He, he is your heavenly father. You are his child. And there is no one and there is nothing in, in heaven, on earth, in the universe, in hell that could separate you from the love of Christ. But number two, you have got a great responsibility. And we all have a great responsibility. And we're going to give an account. And he's called us into this world not for the sake of just getting a degree so we can buy a great flat screen TV and the latest video game and be able to binge watch Netflix like my wife and I like to do. You know, that's, it's nothing necessarily wrong with those things, but that's not the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose is to glorify him. And as we begin to think about what is his mission in the world, how do I use my major, how do I use my marketable skill and trade to be able to make disciples wherever he takes me. And so I want to leave you, you folks with that. I'm going to let that rest on you. Lord willing, I'm going to be around this week. If there's anything I can do, love to talk with you. Um, track me down on Brookhills website. My email address is there. It's just jpain at brookhills.org if I can be of any help to, to you folks. And, and I'm just so thankful, so thankful for you, your heart for Christ and what he's doing in, in your life. So let me, let me pray for us and we'll be done. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we are so, so thankful to know that we are your children that you have saved us and that you have set us on mission. You give us the privilege of being able to unite with you in mission. And Lord, I just pray for, for these students. I pray that Lord, you would just give them great, great uh, desire to serve you as best as your grace upon them allows in the marketplace. And that right now, in these years that they have here, that, Lord, they would steward this time wisely and that you give them understanding and insight. And, Lord, I pray that you give them clarity of how best to prepare for the global marketplace, but, Lord, not for the sake of just getting a job, not for the sake of just being able to buy more stuff, but how they can take what you give to them and they can use that to advance your gospel, your glory among the nations down the street, across North America, and throughout the world. And so, Lord, I pray this week that as they encounter others on this campus and they talk to others representing mission agencies, that you would just give them great conversations. Bless them this day. Bless them in their studies and in what's going on this day and this week in their lives. I pray for grace to be upon them. In your son's precious name we pray. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.